welcome to Your Retirement Planning Simplified with your host, Joseph Curry, a CFP professional who is going to help you learn how to simplify your retirement planning. This podcast is all about helping you answer those burning questions you've had about your retirement possibilities and making a plan to get there. Through retirement planning education, resources, and expert interviews, Joe will help you get clear on your retirement vision, how to simplify it, and what you'll need specifically to achieve or maintain your financial freedom. Ready to live out your retirement dreams and create future opportunities for the ones you love? Then let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to your Retirement Planning Simplified with Joe and I. Joe and Lindsay. Today, we wanted to look at working with different types of trusts in estate planning, specifically joint partner and alter ego trusts, which are similar but slightly different, one being for an individual, one being for a couple. So Joe, recently we were just talking prior to the show about we have a few different types of trusts that we deal with here with our clients. And We've implemented these types of trusts, and I thought it might be worthwhile discussing, you know, what they are and who they're for. So if we look at joint partner and alter ego trusts. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. And when you say uh, implemented, just to uh, just to clarify, we're not writing any trust documents, but and, uh, working with clients, uh, lawyers to help implement the, uh, the planning piece of that. But maybe, Lindsay, I'll just start with what a, a trust is. Um, you know, most people have heard of a trust, but may not know the technical pieces of it, but basically uh, a trust just describes the relationship between uh, a settler. So someone who transfers assets to a trustee. So another individual for the benefit of somebody else, uh, which could be uh, individuals or an organization. So the, uh, the beneficiaries. So that's uh, from a high level, what a trust is. Now, specifically, uh, I did want to touch on the alter ego and joint partner trusts because, you know, these are are two trusts that are often used for estate planning. And so the alter ego trust is, uh, so it's a a trust created specifically, and this is important, by someone who's over the age of 65, only the settler. So the person who creates the trust transfers their assets into the trust only they can benefit from the trust. So only they can uh, receive the income or obtain any of the capital in the trust uh, as long as they're living. So when they're no longer living, so upon the death of the settler, then that property can be distributed to or held for the benefit of the beneficiaries, which again could be a family, so individuals, it could be an organization like a charity, for example. One of the uh, Differences between the alter ego and the uh, the joint partner is a joint partner is basically the same thing. It's just it's set up by a couple, so it could be uh, a married couple, a common law couple, same sex marriage. The so the assets again uh, go in from the settler, so the settler and the spouse can benefit, and they're the only ones that can benefit from uh, any of the income or the capital or obtaining the capital inside the trust. And that continues on until the death of the survivor. So the second of the uh, of the two and the couple to pass away. And then again, those assets can be distributed to family or charity or whatever the whoever the beneficiaries are. So those are, I guess, what a joint partner trust is and the differences between joint partner trust, sorry, and alter ego. Hopefully that gives you a bit of an overview, Lindsay. Right. And even before we were saying, you know, we, we you know, there are so many varieties of trust. We, I think we were saying we were dealing with three or four different types right now. And I'm just wondering, so we've looked at joint and alter ego. 
how do those trusts differ from other trusts or, or what makes them special or why would someone opt for them? Sure. So coming back to you know why these are used for estate planning, one of the benefits to this type of trust, and again, it can only happen after the settler is age 65, but typically when a settler moves assets into a trust, there is a, a deemed disposition of those assets. So in other words, to try to simplify that, if there's a capital gain, so if someone you know had a an asset that they paid $100 for, and that asset was now worth $200, and they transfer it into the trust, it's deemed to be sold at the fair market value of $200, creating a $100 capital gain, which the settler would have to pay tax on. So what differentiates the joint partner trust and the alter ego trust is the settler can move their assets into the trust without that deemed disposition. So they can defer the tax until the settler and or the spouse and the joint partner trust pass away. So that's one of the, uh, the key advantages for this from an estate planning standpoint is we can, we can get the assets over there without any triggering any kind of tax. So that's number one. I guess when we think about what are the other, you know, other reasons we might use this. There's, there's a, I guess, a number of advantages and they're going to be specific to different situations, right? So, you know, we'll probably come back to this, but these are not for everybody, but some of the other scenarios or some scenarios where it does make sense is if the the settler has a high amount of non-registered investment or assets. So these could be non-registered investment portfolio. uh, It could be investment real estate uh, owned personally. So all these types of assets will need to go through probate at some point. So if, they are, um, if they're left in the estate, they'll go through probate. And then Ontario probate is about 1.5%. So when the, the settler, or in this case, if they don't have a trust, so when, when someone passes away, everything goes through probate. So for every million dollars of assets and these non-registered type of assets, uh, that's $15,000 going to probate. Okay, so that's one of the advantages of the trust is that if it's these assets were moved into the trust, it avoids the estate altogether. Therefore, it does not go through through probate, and uh, we can not have to pay those probate fees. So and that's the probably one of the reasons most people look at at the trust is to try to save those expenses. And that's why I said you know this is usually it's not for everybody, but for larger estates where those those non registered assets exist, uh, it could be very beneficial. For someone who has a lot of money in registered investments or a large part of their net worth is in their principal residence, you're not really getting that advantage. I guess there is an, to an extent on the principal residence, but there's no tax there. Uh, the registered assets we can transfer, or those can all be left to named beneficiaries, which will avoid probate. Uh, so less of an advantage there. What else do we have here? It's also because we're avoiding probate, it's kind of an a little bit more easy to administer those assets. So uh, especially since COVID, things have taken forever, kind of go through the system to actually be probated so assets can be distributed from an estate. But when those assets are held in a trust, they can, we don't have to go through the probate process. So those assets can be uh, distributed to whoever the beneficiaries are in a pretty timely manner without having to worry about any kind of extra administration. One of the other things is also confidentiality or privacy. So what a lot of people don't understand is that anything that goes through an estate 
And after it's probated, the, the will, those assets, the, you know, probably uh, a list of related documents are all actually public information. So you can go and request to see someone's will and all those related documents. Most people don't realize that. I know an advisor who used to actually have a copy of Harold Ballard's uh, will. So he would show clients that <laughs> so they understood that, uh, that that was public knowledge and anybody could get that. So, but when everything goes through the trust, that's not the case. Those documents, the trust documents and those related assets can be kept confidential both before and after death. So that's important to some people. It can also be used for blended family planning. So sometimes what, what could happen with second marriages, for example, is you know there's kids in the first marriage. And then, um, so there's a, a second marriage. And then the first of those spouses pass away and the survivor and their will just says all of their assets are left to, to their kids. And if the, you know, before that, the will said that everything would be left to the spouse, what then happens is the kids from the first marriage of whoever passes away first, they're not left with any of those original assets that may have been accumulated long before the first or before that marriage. So with a trust, what can happen is that joint partner trust specifically is those, the assets can go into the trust as long as the surviving spouse is still alive, they can benefit from and, and access those, those assets to maintain their lifestyle. But then within the trust documents, uh, the beneficiaries could be laid out to be the children from the first spouse to pass away their, their children. So, so their children can still get the assets that are left over after they both passed away, but not at the expense of, uh, you know, not allowing their spouse to continue to live the lifestyle that they're, account or they're, they're used to. And then the last one I have for today, as far as advantages go, someone who has elderly parents. So if the elderly parents are getting to the point or expect they will get to the point where they want their children or child to manage their affairs, this is a way that everything could go into the trust and those trust documents could allow the children or the child to, to manage those, uh, those assets. And so in the event that the, the parents become incapacitated, they'll be able to continue managing those, those expenses. So in a way, it's kind of like a, an alternative power of attorney, really. Right. Right. And I guess in, uh, in looking at the advantages, advantages I, I think it's probably fair that we, we discuss any disadvantages that having a trust might bring about. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, the main one is going to be the, the cost so the professional fees associated with it. And so there's going to be fees to set it up. So you don't want to try to set this up on, on your own because there's some kind of intricacies that have to go into the documents to make sure it's set up properly. So it qualifies as an alter ego or a joint partner trust. So you're going to want to pay a lawyer to do this. So of course, if you're going to work with a lawyer on this planning, there's going to be some costs to get that set up and, and, and going. And the other thing is, it's maintaining on an ongoing basis, there's going to be costs. So since 2021, you have to file a return for a trust. So that's, and that usually, in my experience, is, uh, is more than a personal tax return uh, as far as cost goes. So that's an ongoing cost. So if you're going to set something like this up, you want to make sure that you're evaluating, you know, what's the savings in probate or whatever kind of financial savings you think you're going to get out of setting up the, the trust versus what are you actually going to pay to set it up and maintain it? Now, as we talked about some of the advantages, maybe you're setting it up for reasons other than just financial benefits, such as, as bypassing probate. So maybe it still makes sense if those, those costs are there. But quite often, especially for smaller estates or 
estates, as I mentioned earlier, that have a lot of for the majority of their assets in registered investments or yeah, so basically anything that could bypass probate anyway, it doesn't make a lot of sense to uh, you're not going to get a lot of benefit from the from the trust. The other thing would be, I guess, a ta- from a tax standpoint. So any income left in the trust is going to be taxed at the top marginal rate. And when the, the settler and in the case of the joint partner trust, the surviving spouse passes away, all of the, uh, the income, the capital gains are also going to be ta- uh, taxed at the top marginal rate. So if you have your, your assets passed through your estate, that has the benefit of graduated tax rates. So just like uh, when you're working right now and you're paying tax on your first, you know, we have tax brackets. So on the first so many dollars, you pay a lower tax amount and the next so many dollars, you pay the next step up in taxes and so on and so forth. But so we call that the graduated tax rate system, but we don't get to benefit from that when we pass away if our assets are all in a trust. Everything's just the top marginal rate. So there is potentially uh, some tax disadvantages with the trust. So in general, though, there are some situations where it could make sense for kind of, a, I guess, a lower net worth type of scenario. But in most cases, it's really uh, to benefit high net worth individuals who are going to have a lot of non-registered investment assets or families who have unique, I guess, estate planning uh, situations or opportunities. Right. So just to return back to, we did touch on probate many clients cringe at the thought of paying probate. And I'm just wondering, are there any other tools or strategies that people can use to avoid probate or even simplify the administration of their estate? Yeah, sure. There's definitely some um, some other options, often that are more cost-effective. And so, you know, any kind of, uh, I guess, planning tool usually is going to come with some kind of advantages and disadvantages, right? So, but one of these uh, tools would be segregated funds. So segregated funds are much like a mutual fund. So it's an investment vehicle, but it has an insurance wrapper, we'll call it for lack of a better term, on the, the fund that actually allows you to name a beneficiary, even on a non-registered account. So there's no setup fees. You know, it's there's no administration. It's the same as having a, a mutual fund, for example. The only, like the real difference is, so, the biggest advantage is most likely the fact that you can name a beneficiary, which just like the trust allows you to bypass probate because that can go directly to that named uh, beneficiary on your passing. It also allows you a little bit of control, somewhat like a trust in the sense that while you can have that name beneficiary, it gets a lump sum. There's also some, an option called an annuitant settlement option, which allows you if for some reason you think maybe your beneficiary should not get a large lump sum of money. They receive the money as part of an annuity. So that that lump sum goes to buy an annuity upon your passing, which would then provide an income stream for your beneficiary. And again, in certain situations, that could be very, very beneficial. And again, no cost to set this up. So for smaller estates, if it's important to have those benefits, the seg fund's a really good option. The problem though, on a larger estate, because I might you know, you might look at that and say, maybe that makes a lot of sense uh, for any size of a state because of the uh, the cost. But there's kind of like the hidden cost that we don't really think about, which is the the ongoing fees of owning those funds. So if we compare that to an ETF for a mutual fund, the fees on a segregated fund are often much higher, quite often at like a full percent or more higher. And 
while on a smaller account, that might not add up to a lot of dollars. But if we're talking about putting in, you know, a million dollars in there, you know, that could be an extra cost of $10,000 a year to have those benefits, right? So again, on smaller accounts, it's more cost-effective, but on for larger investment portfolios, it's going to be less cost-effective, most likely. I guess another option or tool would be life insurance. So the advantages of life insurance is it, you get a, a name beneficiary. So again, you can bypass probate. Any money you put into the life insurance policy in the form of premiums is going to, depending on the type of policy, it could grow and that would be all tax-free growth. When it pays out to your beneficiaries, it's all completely tax-free, which is not an advantage of either the trust or the segregated fund. So the the life insurance, that would be totally tax-free. It's private, just like the segregated fund would also be private and uh, and the trust. There's some guarantees. Usually in life insurance, you know, at least the minimum of what's going to be paid out to your beneficiaries. And so, you know, that could be a good option for an individual or a couple who has a lot of excess cash flow that they don't want to put into some other type of low risk investment, like a GIC or something where they're going to pay a tax on an ongoing basis on, on the interest. And, and they're not otherwise going to use that money. They know they want to pass it on to the next generation or to charity or whatever it is. So they could just be t- to take take that excess cash flow, those excess uh, funds and put it into a life insurance policy. So I won't go too deep on the life insurance though. I'm sure at some point we'll do an episode on uh, life insurance planning in retirement. So, but those are a couple of the tools, the SAG funds and life insurance that can help with avoiding probate specifically. Great. And so uh, just carrying forward, what would you say are our action items for today for everybody? Sure. So from an estate planning standpoint, you know, the number one thing is if you don't already, or if you haven't updated it in, you know, 10 plus years, make sure you have a will and powers of attorney in place or talk to somebody about getting them into place if you haven't done it. So that's kind of number one. Number two is if you do have a large non-registered portfolio, whether it's liquid investments or investment real estate, even if you have um, maybe not as big, but you still have a, a net worth that you want to protect in a second marriage situation. So any of the things that we talked about, those advantages are for the trust. At least bring these items up to your advisor if you haven't already to see if uh, if there's a place in your financial plan for the trust or seg funds or life insurance. So those are, those are my two main action items right there. Excellent. And as per usual, please like and share, give us a five-star rating, share the podcast with anybody that you think could benefit from this particular episode, from the show in general. And of course, we're always happy to answer any of your questions or issues or any topics that you'd like explored. You can always reach out to us and we'll make sure that we we cover them. And of course, there's always the show notes. It's uh, The show notes are at www.matthewsandassociates.ca slash 22. That's the episode for today, episode 22. Any final thoughts or anything that you want to add, Joe? No, I think that's good. It's just, you know, estate planning is one of those things that people do not like to talk about because they have to face their own mortality. But on the same hand, it just, it makes sense to have these conversations when we're still in control and have time to, to plan, to make things, make sure things go the way we want when we're no longer here. Thanks very much. All right. Thank you, Lindsay. Investment services are provided through Matthews & Associates Investments of Aligned Capital Partners Incorporated and approved trade name of Aligned Capital Partners Inc. ACPI. 
Only investment-related products and services are offered through ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI and covered by the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Tax planning, financial planning, and insurance services are provided through Matthews & Associates. Matthews & Associates is an independent company separate and distinct from ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI. Matthews & Associates are not licensed tax professionals, and you should consult with your tax advisor before acting on any recommendations. Thank you for joining us for this latest episode of Your Retirement Planning Simplified. If you'd like to see how prepared you are for retirement, we've created a free retirement readiness calculator to help you out. Go to matthewsandassociates.ca forward slash ready to input your retirement information and receive instant feedback to help you evaluate your current retirement readiness. Be sure to tune back in for the next episode. And until then, we're here to help you simplify and succeed in your retirement planning.